Uh, can I get your Wi-Fi? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's RC5G. <laughs> I've never given anybody the password before. You ready for the password? RC5G. You've never given anybody the password before? No, you want to hear it? Yeah. 696969. <laughs> Please tell me you're recording right now. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Long Form Conversations, a podcast about long form improv. I'm your host, David Long. I'd like to invite you to the very first episode of Long Form Conversations ever. There's never been a podcast uh, by this name ever before. Uh, I am joined by a uh, guest for our inaugural episode. Uh, everybody, please welcome Sean Smith. Woo, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me for the inaugural First ever long form conversations podcast. Oh, you're very Check welcome. Check the spelling. Check the spelling. Yeah. L U O N G <laughs> podcast is legally a true fact. Um, first of all, uh, uh, just to, so you all can get to know Sean, uh, he is an improviser at UCB. He also performs at a couple of other local theaters in Los Angeles. He's also a, a newly minted writer director. Ooh, yeah. Uh, any other things you want to add to your bio? Friend, current fiance, soon to be husband. Whoa. Son. <laughs> careful. Br brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always, yeah, I mean, I'm always careful to like not listen because then you might let, leave one out. You're like, you're also a cousin. That's true. You're also my nephew. Someone's going to be like, okay, <laughs> Jesus, kid left me out. Don't I've been... subtweet me on Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, uh, I like to start off just by uh, catching up, and I wanted to just see what you're up to. Uh, we we are obviously um, friends and teammates, and all a lot of things. Obvious by our rapport. Yes, uh, <laughs> you you took a trip to back home or to see your nephew, right? Or yeah, North Carolina. My um my brother and sister in law live there with my two nephews incredible um, um first time seeing them right first time seeing my new nephew his name's griffin he's uh a month and a half old now february 8th he was born so he's still like super infant stage like can't really lift his head so it was nice because we were uh my other nephew's like just about four so he's like oh, wow he's in a great like everything's so fun and lovey and we were just like watching kids movies which I unironically love kids movies. What'd you watch? Uh, he's really into Rango right now. So we watched Rango. Uh, he's been obsessed with Zootopia for a long oh, time. Oh, nice. So we watched some Zootopia. And then on my recommendation, <laughs> we watched Turbo. <laughs> the snail movie? Yeah, the that snail that wants to win the Indy 500. <laughs> well, it's like lizards. You know, it's like yeah, the things that kids are into are like very simple. It's like, oh, yeah, this is about trucks. I'm 100% in. Yeah, this I have a, a toy truck. Yeah, this is about animals. I'm 100% in. Planes, the things I see in the air. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up for a three-hour sequel. Yeah. Um, another thing that happened recently this week was uh, we both had our UCB debuts. Woo, congrats. Congratulations <laughs> to you. I don't want this to be like a huge compliment fest, but uh, you you knocked the the socks off of everybody on that stage. Thank you, man. Uh, I feel the same about you. Um, it was it was fun and exciting and a little nerve wracking to start, but then as soon as it got going, I don't know how you felt about it, but like 
as soon as the show got going, um, it was like, oh, okay, this is, I've, I've done a lot of improv. Like, this is going to be fun. I um, agree with you. But right before it, I was like, not to segue into uh, our first thing too early, but like, there was a little bit of like, okay, I deserve to be up here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel the same way. I think, um, uh, uh, you know, we're no strangers to performing. We've done it for years. We were also no strangers to that stage. We've done a couple of shows there already. Yeah. But I will say, uh, walking off to that opening night crowd, it was probably the biggest audience I've ever performed for. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the lights, you know, um, you say it was really, the biggest audience you've ever performed for? Well, I do a lot of professional presentations. So like there was the biggest comedy audience I've yeah, yeah. ever performed for. <laughs> biggest audience that you like really care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't get I, I do get nervous in front of you. When know? you do professional presentations, are we talking like at a conference? Like you're doing like conference talks and stuff? It's a lot of conferences. It's, it'll be either like in conference uh, rooms, it'll be in a, a recept like I don't know what they're called, but you know how hotels will like block off giant yeah. rooms. Yeah, like know? a um like event plan ballroom yeah like that's honestly what it is it's yeah. a ballroom people have weddings there but we give uh, technical seminars what's there. the um what do you think is the largest audience you've like pitch, or pitched to i guess okay. in that sense i will answer this question but i just want to make it clear i am the host you are the guest <laughs> so this is the last question i will be fielding today uh the largest audience i've ever performed for um uh i'm just gonna say like it was probably more than 300, but I'll cut off at 300 okay. just because the room gets so big and there's also a couple empty chairs and everything. Yeah. So it could have been more. It could have been less. Yeah. No, no, sorry. I, it could have been more, but it's definitely not less. And I know you said that was the last question, but do you get nervous for those or are you like pretty comfortable in that role? Uh, very comfortable in that role. Um, the thing about, um, you know, uh, uh, giving any type of professional presentation is you're prepared. Yeah. You know what you're saying. And it's also a situation where you are, always going to know more than the audience like, mm. by definition, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I prepare, it's all new information. I'm kind of like releasing, like, here's some cool new features. Hot drop. So, hot, exactly. <laughs> hot drop. So there's never a situation where they'll get me in a corner because their questions yeah. will be like, how do we do this? And even if the answer is like, I don't know, it's like, but I know more than you, you know, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> now when it comes to uh, comedy, it's a little bit different because um, especially the audiences that we typically perform for, yeah. they're usually also very, like hip to comedy and they, they know their stuff. So, yeah. Um, and plus we're making it up. So there really is no, like, I know more than you. They're like, do you No, I kind of have to fake it though. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I do, maybe I'm just thinking about this at like a slightly deeper level that, I mean, a lot of particularly more indie shows, it's like you're performing for other performers. Um, so there's kind of a difference there, but ideally you're thinking about it at least harder and on a deeper level than an audience member who's like checked out. Um, Cause that's, you know, I've, I've been the audience member where I'm in the audience being like, I feel like I'm giving this more thought than they are. <laughs> that's and true. That's no fun. <laughs> and that's kind of um, uh, uh, something that I would say too, like uh, uh, from someone who does so many like presentations and everything, you, they just want to make sure that like you're holding up your end of the deal. Yeah. Their end of the deal is I'm going to be quiet and listen you're any of the deals that you have to kind of know what you're talking about, yeah. you know? And even if you don't, you kind of have to fake it. And I think that's literally what all of uh, improv is, is like, Hey, we don't know who, what, where we are. We don't know what the unusual thing is. And we don't know what the next two moves are going to be. Yeah. But we have to uh, uh, give off the feeling that we do. Yeah. I, I need, 
like your job is to like make the audience trust that they're in good hands. Yes. I feel absolutely. like that's like the most important. Yeah. Um, Ooh, man, this is already kind of a deep topic. <laughs> I even do the uh, introduction yet. But, uh, yeah, just to kind of agree with you, you know, there's so much that goes into it. There's just, there's charisma, yeah. right? There is like that, that like confidence. There's like that um, uh, uh, shark glance where their eyes go black, but like, you know how sharks' eyes are black? Yeah. They're like zeroed in. There's like that where you're like, I'm not really sure what's going on, but like they know what's going on. Uh-huh. So like X factors, lots of different things. Yeah. But I think there's also a lot, and this is something that I, uh, I'm going to sound very hippy dippy when I talk about this, but I think there is a lot to be said about the energy you put off. And I don't mean like I'm looking at somebody and I just see their aura, but like if you see an animal in the wild and you are nervous about that animal like it's going to be more aggressive to you because they can pick up that you're nervous. Like you put out like pheromones and you have like certain body positions that you put off. And I think it's the same way with human interaction and like particularly watching people. Like if you are somebody that is on stage and can be loose, which is why I was asking about like your professional stuff. I feel like you would be great at that. And I would like, I, I work in a professional environment and I go to those events and most of the time they suck because people are like really like stilted and seeing somebody that's just like comfortable in their skin is it does so much heavy lifting like right out the gate before a single move has been made just like seeing how somebody stands um it it like can immediately prime you to be like okay I think I'm gonna like this that's a really good point yeah and just to make a small tangent uh, did you know that deer, um, their sense of smell is so good. They can tell if you're a, a omnivore or a herbivore by your breath. They can smell it on my breath. They can smell like, uh, the turkey sandwich you had yesterday. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what that's yeah, I'm do. smelling performers when they step up on stage. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, <laughs> there's just so much that we don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure they don't think that they're perceiving that yeah but i think and the humans were so much more visual yeah you can probably perceive again shark eyes yeah <laughs> but you there's can things that you nervous. pick up that you don't you can't place but mm-hmm. like it's there it's affecting you i think yeah and like you know uh, they're all gonna look different like you'll see the person that may be like the sweatiest but it's just because the lights are hot they're yeah. still so like on fire and, and like confidence so yeah, like, yeah oh it's not just like simple tells it's more to it yeah yeah for sure all right so uh uh what else has been going on this week? Uh, anything else? Yeah, so we're talking about improv? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to talk about improv. All right, great. Well, that was kind of just uh, us catching up. But as you mentioned, yeah, we got a lot of rapport uh, and we had some catching up to do. So I'm glad we got a chance to do that. Um, so uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, this first uh, segment that I'm going to do, a recurring segment. It's called Improvster Syndrome. You got theme you, music? I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Improvster Syndrome. So I um, uh, wanted to use this as opportunity to uh, get to listen to your backstory, but also just to let anybody listening, uh, one of my millions of listeners out there, maybe interested one day in, you know, becoming an improviser. And I think being able to understand like what a long journey it's been and also that, you know, 
uh, uh, even though we may be up there and we are, we do have those shark eyes and we are just so confident, <laughs> there's still a small feeling sometimes of like, oh gosh, I'm, I don't know if I should be up here. So why don't you go ahead and uh, walk us through your improv origin story? Yeah. Um, well, I just started it like a week ago, so just a natural talent, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't say if you're doing improv for more than a week and you haven't gotten a house <laughs> team yet, just give up. <laughs> Um, I am 28. Um, I started doing improv in freshman year of high school. Um, I have, uh, one of my really good friends, um, my best friend grown up, um, still one of my very great, great friends. He's a groomsman at my wedding. Um, his uncle is, uh, the legendary improviser, Scott Adsit, um, of, 30 Rock and Bay, City. Baymax fame. Yeah, he mm-hmm. came up through Second City. Uh, he was on the main stage there. Um, so that was his uncle. And so just because of that, like I grew up in Georgia, so improv was like not really a thing other than Who's Line. Um, but because of uh, my friend who knew that it existed and there was this whole art form, uh, I kind of learned about it through him. So there was a mm-hmm. improv club at my high school that met once a week on Fridays. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. It was, I had a really cool theater teacher in high school. Yeah. So, uh, that was literally just doing short form games. And did he teach you those or, uh, no, it was, it, it was kind of like they were just being passed down. It felt like, um, like from year to year, a lot of them were games that you would see on who's line. Mm-hmm. And then there was a couple of other ones, um, that, like I, I never saw on there, but like, um, so at that point it was truly just like me being a kid, seeing older kids be really witty and be like, wow, like they're so cool and smart. Like I want to be witty like that. Um, and then I would watch who's line and stuff. And then, uh, after that freshman year, I got really into it. And then that summer, um, my friend's mom was like, oh, you know, if he really likes it, you should go to second city. That's where Scott went. And that's, uh, like where people that are really serious about it go. And they had these summer camps, um, for like two weeks. So big shout out to my parents. Um, yeah, that's a huge, um, like offer. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, and my friend, uh, the Edwards, I should say, uh, to give them a shout out my, uh, my friend's, uh, grandma lived in the suburbs of Chicago. So we got to go stay with his grandma for two weeks. So we didn't have to like pay for rent or anything. And we had a a nice safe place to stay. And then we would take the train in from Northbrook into Chicago every day for Monday through Friday for those two weeks. And the camp was, it was like an 18 and under camp. And you would do um, like three hours of sketch class in the morning have lunch and then do three hours of improv in the afternoon. Wow. Um, and then at the end you would put on a review, uh, of sketches. So you're, you're that's uh, so that's like the teen intensive, but that's also like their conservatory program condensed. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Um, and like the way they do improv is like, they do improv to generate sketch ideas. So you were kind of learning the very fundamentals of improv, like, you know, yes, and being characters, you know, acting, and uh, you would just kind of do that. And then if you had a, like a fun scene or like there was an idea in a scene there, you would be like, oh, great. Like, well, I'll just take that and then I'll write a sketch around it. 
Uh, and then at that point, it's just sketch writing and like refining it. Um, but they, they like use improv as a tool as opposed to like the end product. Um, so that was what I was doing for a while. And I did that summer camp every single summer. So and all four years? All four years. Um, and then uh, I went, I think, let's see if I'm getting this right. Yeah, so then I went to college. Uh, at that point, I had had familiarity with long-form improv, and like I'd been to see shows at I.O. when I was there, and I got to see TJ and Dave, which was awesome. Um, that's TJ Jagodowski and Dave Pasquese. They did like a two-prov thing where they would do hour-long, just the two of them. Sonic commercials. Uh, yeah, TJ is Sonic <laughs> commercials. Dave is, uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but I feel like what most people know him from is he's in Veep. Um, he was Julia's, uh, ex-husband. Um, but, uh, they were amazing. Like that was like seeing the Holy grail of improv. Cause they've been, do they've both been doing it for 30 years. They've been a two prov team. They consistently performed together for a decade. So they were just like, so zoned in and they were just, they would just spin a yarn for a full hour. And it was incredibly engaging, well-acted. Like it was awesome. Um, so that, that truly made me fall in love with not just being witty, but like, oh, this could be a whole unbelievable, unforgettable experience. Um, and then in college, I joined our, the improv group there um, and kind of the imposter syndrome thing. As a freshman in high school, I felt like an imposter. Like I was just like brave enough to get up and fail basically. But I thought that I was like the weakest person in the room to start. There was all these other people that were like way smarter and funnier than me. And then when I got to college, I got on an improv group there and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome because there was some older seniors who had been doing it a lot and they were like super smart and talented and stuff. And I was a freshman, but I felt a little bit better because I had done all that, like those summer intensives that most other people didn't, you know? Um, so I did that and that was kind of a weird little pocket. Um, the, the couple of years in front of me, they built up this great um, cadence and following. Um, and when I, like, when I joined that team as a freshman, we were performing maybe like once every other week or once a month or so, and it would be to like 20 people or something. We would just do like free shows in classrooms, like wherever we could get a spot. And then uh, the, my sophomore year, the two people who were like the elected presidents of that club, we didn't have coaches. We just like, it was mm -hmm. very democratic and you would like vote. It was, it was very weird, honestly, looking back on it, um, that system, but it worked. Uh, and they started doing weekly shows and it was like a free show Friday night at like seven and for an hour. And, and these shows are short form or long form? It was a mix. So we would do like a 15 minute montage to start. And then we would do short form games for probably like 20 or 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then we would end on like a 20 minute, more like structured long form. Um, so we did all sorts of different structures there, which was very fun. Like we, and we would like make some up, like we did like a murder mystery one yeah. that we would do like theme nights for. How, how big are these groups right now? And for that, how many people are in the group? Yeah. Um, or like any, any given night, any given show. There were, I think the biggest the group got, I think was like 16 people. Okay. But 
usually not everybody was able to make it. And then as the following got bigger and like the people in the group got more serious, it started like more and more people were making it to shows consistently. So eventually we started doing two shows on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would like, if too many people were going to be there, we would like break up the cast a little bit. Yeah. Um, but because we were doing two long forms and a lot of short form, it was pretty easy to mix and match and everybody was going to, and you would decide ahead of time who was going to be in what short forms and stuff. So it was very easy to like, make sure everybody got a lot of stage time. Well, it's also just a lot of reps or like a lot of show reps, first of all, but to also be able to go on for an hour, you know, there's that like mental fatigue. So I understand that short form, I understand that there's breaks in between, but you're also still hopefully present even when you're not yeah no it was awesome it was great for getting reps and kind of grinding for lack of a better term and there was also this like there's like the college improv tournament um and which is like that's how big the improv scene was at your school that there was enough people to so that was a national thing oh okay the, the cit was like a national thing and you would like go to regionals the southeast regional and like perform a 30 minute set and then uh like some group of improvisers would say like oh this is the best and then you go to the finals in chicago um it was weird it was kind of a gambit you know because you did come so you competed we did we competed (laughs) you compete at collegiate level improv yeah (laughs) whoa yeah which like i mean i don't know i think we were i think we were I would, I'll say for a college team, I think we were really good mm-hmm. for a professional age. We were, we were, yeah, we were solid. You know, we were like, if you, I think if we, if you had seen my team at the clubhouse, you would have been like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. Um, which is cool considering we were all young and most people had never done any classes or anything. It was just kind of self-taught at that point or like taught amongst mm-hmm. the people. Now, in the meantime, I don't want to like, uh, also like skip over this part, but these are all ex- extracurricular things. So you yeah. had, that was uh, in high school, that was summer camp. So you had a whole, you know, yeah. four years of high school and this is college. You were also taking classes and everything too. What was your major? Uh, I was an advertising major and a theater minor. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, to go to college for film. Um, and I thought about going to college for theater, but uh, it was like too expensive basically. Like I wanted to go to Chicago and go to DePaul University, go to their Actors Conservatory and be taking Second City classes while I was there. Like that was that was the plan. Um, but it was either go out of state and get a theater degree mm-hmm. uh, and have a lot of student debt yeah. or not have student debt and go in state. Um, so that that's what ended up happening was I went there uh, to UGA. And um, shout out to UGA. Shout out to UGA. Go dogs. <laughs> um, yeah. So we got this weird following, and all of a sudden, we were we were having like three hundred person shows, like people in the audience twice a night for junior and senior year. Wow. Um, it was wild, and I don't think that's ever going to happen to me again in my life. Um, which is a shame because I'm a much better improviser now than I was then. <laughs> Um, but, uh, it was really cool and it was a good opportunity. It was very safe environment. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe not, I don't know. It was, I guess it was a big stage. So it was a lot of people. Um, so there was a lot of nerves, I think for a lot of people, but I definitely, um, 
I threw myself fully into comedy in college. Like my extracurricular was my main focus because uh, I was doing that. I was also uh, like my junior and senior year. I was leading that group. I was also leading. You were the, elected president. I was elected president. The system works. Trust <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was also leading the sketch group there. And then I was doing stand up uh, around town a little bit and hosting a stand up show out of my house once a month with uh, with my buddies. Whoa. Um, so I was like very much so trying to make myself like the comedy guy. Like, it sounds like you succeeded too. I mean, with that type of um, like, that's a pretty impressive, should we say resume or like, you know, it was me, presence. And, me and my friends. Like there was, there's a, I definitely had, there was a crew of people that were all kind of doing all three things and like working really hard. And there was some people that were leaning more into stand. Like I have some friends that are still like, they're doing very well as standups now. Um, and they were, you know, driving into Atlanta, which is an hour and a half drive to mm -hmm. do like three sets, like find three different mics on a weekday, come back, do improv. Like, so there was kind of this little bubble of these people that all really cared about comedy and were pursuing it really hard in those three avenues. Yeah. Um, so that's what I did. And then I uh, came out to LA because I had an internship with Funny or Die. Uh, my between junior and senior year and I had a boss I was going to move to Chicago but I had a uh, my boss then was like hey uh, you know we like you and if you decide to move out to LA we'll try to help you find a job to get started um, and I was like okay well I'll do that then uh, because funnier or die school and I, that's the that's the end goal anyway is working in comedy in some yeah. capacity so I came had up, it not been that been for that offer you think you would have moved out anyways or was that always a plan were you gonna go to Chicago or New York I was probably gonna move to Chicago Okay. Um, I was thinking about LA or Chicago. Mm -hmm. I was never fully thinking about New York. Um, you came out to LA for the internship, but had you like visited before? Had you like seen UCB shows or anything? Like that? No, no, never. I had never been out here. Um, so I just came out for that internship and I spent a summer out here. Mm -hmm. And while I was out here for the summer, Great I also between college, uh, freshman and sophomore year, I went to Chicago for a week and started taking their adult courses. Their adult summer intensive? Basically, like they would do a, cram a course into a week. Mm -hmm. And so I would do, I basically recreated what I was doing with uh, like kids camp, but I would go out for that year. I went out for one week. Stayed at the Edwards grandma's suburbs house? At that point it wasn't. <laughs> at that point it wasn't because uh, he wasn't going. Yeah, yeah. So at that point I was staying in a hostel by myself. There you go. Um, but I, uh, I went, I did the, their 101 for improv and sketch. And then the next year, I actually got a scholarship from my theater uh, college. And that was for like $5,000 or $10,000 or something. And I used that all to pay for uh, 201 through 401 at Second City for their writing and mm -hmm. uh, improv. So then when I came out for that internship, I took UCB 101. Um, and I was just doing that like throughout the summer while I was also doing the internship and like classes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I moved out here, I charged through 201 and through 401. Um, and that's when I really had the biggest imposter syndrome feeling, um, because before we jump into that, can I just ask, um, so this is like you mentioned after college. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've already done all those summer intensive. Was there a reason why you wanted to do UCB over second city Hollywood or IO? Uh, I heard it was better. 
Okay. Um, I when I, and when I moved out here, um, it was pretty shortly after that. So what? First of all, I had done Second City. So when I came out here for the summer internship, you didn't want to take it. I didn't want to do more Second City. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do. I wanted to learn from a different school. Um, which, if you are trying to pursue improv and you're listening to this, like, I think anybody that says just go to one school, I think is wrong. Um, I think every school has things that they can teach you and have like different approaches that all can like be a part of your tool belt. Um, there's schools that I haven't taken classes at and I would still like to, like I've never done anything at ground links, but I would like to do stuff there. Um, it's just a matter of how much time I have at this point. Um, but yeah, that's why I took UCB and, and it was hard. Um, I, the one-on-one wasn't that hard, but uh, just because a lot of one-on-one was like some of the basics that I had learned before, but I could tell that what they were, their style of teaching and like teaching to game, which was not the way that I was taught at Second City and just generally in Chicago, like trying to play that way was very challenging. And that was something I like brought back to my group. And I was like, hey, we're gonna try to learn this together, yeah. you know? Um, and it was built, it, it can still be tough for me to operate in that mindset, even though I'm like on one of their house teams now that like, it was a big imposter syndrome feeling when I moved out here. Cause I was like, I felt like I was the comedy guy. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out to a city where all of the comedy guys have moved to and mm -hmm. comedy girls and not trying to be gender specific. Um, but like the identity that I had built up for myself, I then moved to a city filled with people that had that same identity for themselves. And I was like, Oh my God, do I even compare to these people or like, it's like a big fish, small pond. Yeah, exactly. Uh, going to going from that to ocean. small fish. Yeah. Ocean. It's still <laughs> you a know? big fish, but it's a I've, bigger pond. Is, are you saying that cause I'm tall? Yeah. For those of <laughs> you that don't know, Sean is uh six, 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 five. Sorry. Don't give me, don't give me that extra. <laughs> don't I don't need any more extra inches. Hey, a pair, a pair of shoes. You never know. <laughs> um, I, I did want to, while you take a sip of water, uh, uh, ask you about, yeah, get more water. You know what's so funny, by the way? You've been talking this whole time and I've been drinking. <laughs> Sorry if that's like making you more thirsty. Uh, so uh, to, to bring it uh, back, you um, uh, got here after your internship. You kind of, you mentioned uh, went through 201 to 401 pretty quickly. Yeah. What does your improv life look like uh, between then and now? Um, so I went through that. I, you know, obviously auditioned to try to get on house teams and stuff. Failed. Uh, never got a call back or anything. Um, and got, I put together an indie team out of my 301 and 401 teams. So I, I had a couple of indie teams and we would just perform at Clubhouse and stuff, but not super consistently because mm -hmm. none of it, no, nobody I was playing with was super plugged in at that point. Yeah. Um, so we were self-submitting and, you know, trying to find Clubhouse spots when we could. And that's kind of, I would say, the, the LA grind. You know, once you complete 401, that's kind of just the beginning. Yeah. So much of it from here on out is just free falling catching yourself finding groups submitting your groups teams fall apart yeah exactly um Rhiannon fell apart the other group was middle school theater troupe and we were uh doing stuff for a little bit and then 
I auditioned for a house team just kind of on a lark for uh, the improv space, which was a theater over in Westwood and pretty small theater. Um, got on a team there and that was very attractive because you got a 30 minute set uh, every Friday night and I was in the eight o'clock hour. So it was like, it felt like a prime slot. I mean, it's very much, it's what we do with we now, you know, yeah. really quick. Uh, I didn't know you did the improv space. Did you know uh, Mackenzie and Jacob? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. I took, uh, I took, uh, I think it was either 301 or 401 with them. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I loved it over there. It was a cool community. And uh, there was a lot of people there that like either wanted to be in UCB or there was a lot of people that didn't care about UCB. And it was like, I'm just here to do improv because I think improv's fun. I'm not trying to like ladder climb in the LA scene. And that was really refreshing to be around after being like doing indie stuff and doing UCB. Like I was feeling kind of burnt out and feeling like, oh, I'm doing improv because I'm trying to like get successful at it. And mm -hmm. it was like not, it wasn't as fun as I was having before moving to LA. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of a bummer. I was like, well, I moved out here to LA to do this. So like, if I'm not having fun doing it, then why did I uproot my life and all that kind of stuff? And so the improv space was great for that because it was, I also, I was on a team with some really funny people, um, and including this guy who's like a vet, like he, his name's James Gangle and he was, uh, he was like teaching at Second City and came from Second City, Toronto. And, um, you know, he was awesome. And we had a great coach and Natasha Blakely, who was from Chicago and very much so schooled in the annoyance way of doing improv, which I, as I just said, I wanted to take classes there. So that was kind of like me getting my annoyance stuff from her. And we were very focused on uh, a different type of improv. It wasn't game. It was like, or very organic, but a uh, big focus on directing, like having a lot of scenic variety. And we would do like musical numbers and crazy group games and really committed dramatic performances and like trying to weave as many different types of mm -hmm. scenes and types of improv into a single 30 minute set um, and doing like really wild edits and transitions and scenic transitions. And so that was just very freeing and cool to kind of do, even though we were performing for hardly anybody, you know, but we were committed really hard to trying to make as good of a show as we possibly could. Um, and that, that was awesome and really ignited me. And then that show went under. Um, like right before the pandemic. Mm. Um, and during that time, I wasn't really doing too much else because I was feeling pretty content. Um, I was also working really hard in a kitchen. So I just didn't have as much, like I would do indie shows every once in a while, mm -hmm. but that was my main thing. Yeah. At the <clears> time. That is like a tough thing about improv. And you kind of mentioned, you know, like questioning yourself or having that, like, why am I doing this? A lot of improv, especially out here in Los Angeles, is kind of work if you want to perform it's work or you know i've been in a lot of groups where it's like 90 percent practice 10 percent performing yeah and it really is a change from what may people what most people may uh enjoy or how why they fell in love with improv in the first place yeah um yeah and i love the i, I love per, I, I sometimes prefer a rehearsal to a show mm -hmm. uh, like i think you can be super loose in rehearsals in a way that you can't at a show but I think um, the just the mindset of trying to get on a house team and like, oh, we got to like 
change our rehearsals now to be focusing on audition prep mm -hmm. um, and that kind of stuff was very exhausting for me because I was like I it is something I want but what I really want out of improv is to like have fun and try to put on a good show um, and those two things kind of felt at odds to me yeah. sometimes um, so anyway I was doing improv space and then during the pandemic I didn't do any improv because I just couldn't couldn't vibe with zoom improv it just didn't feel the same to me um and i was kind of like oh maybe i don't need improv and like i was like writing and trying to convince myself that like oh you know maybe it doesn't matter that Just much lying to yourself <laughs> to, <100%, laughs> to be sane you yeah. know as we all were trying to do during that time um but then as soon as i heard that there was like in-person classes available that i could go to at we i signed up for one like as soon as i could and it was just like so invigorating um and it, that was particularly invig invigorating again in the same way that improv space was because it was like ucb was closed like there was no version of we're trying to hustle right mm -hmm. now to get on a house team it was like this is a game in town and we're all here because we love doing it and we want to be good at improv and we want to put on funny shows for each other and like to me that's the spirit and that uh felt great i'm still on two teams from there perform there all the time um yeah so that's that's my journey i i still feel a little impostery sometimes you know i all the time yeah. i often like i'm surrounded by people that i think are super funny and talented and i'd be lying if i even though i just told you that i've been doing this for 12 <laughs> years i still think sometimes like oh do i you know yeah do these people think that I'm funny? You know, do they think that I'm good at this? You know, or are they just blowing smoke up my butt and being nice when they say like, oh, you were really good, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure it's a feeling that kind of never goes away or it's a feeling that's always kind of there. Um, but yeah, for those of you that were, yeah, trying to keep count back home, I was keeping count. So that's 12 years and that's like over six different institutions with which you kind of work with. And I think that also has to do with it. It's like a lot of yeah. whiplash. It's always... Whenever you start at a new theater or a new community, you always just feel like you're kind of at the bottom again. Yeah, and you just want to be accepted, and mm -hmm. you know. Um, and the the thing is, is it's like there's tons of different types of performers. So like there are people that I really admire and think like they're amazing, and they're doing stuff that I don't think that I can do because that's the way that their brain works and the type of improv that they do. And then you know down the line. If you're lucky, you find out that they think the same about you. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you you perform in a way that I can, and like I really respect and admire it, and I wish that I could do that. And like that's uh, that's like the fun alchemy of a good a good team is uh, a team that has people with different strengths mm -hmm. that kind of complement each other. Um, but yeah, like I I guess to be a little like there's the derivative, uh, you know, pirates, robots, ninjas, and stuff like. Mm -hmm. I love people that are good pirates. Like, mm -hmm. I think they're awesome. And I like, I, I'm not good at that. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to be, um, and I, I aspire to get better at that skill. Um, but yeah, there's like people that make crazy moves that I would never think of. And it's awesome. Yeah. You, know? you need that. Yeah. It takes so, a village. And if you're all bricklayers, we all <laughs> got a bunch of <laughs> Got a huge wall, but who's gonna make the food? 
<laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I think that's going to be a good segue into our uh, next segment. This is something that uh, you kind of already touched upon. So I think it's good. You already laid out a lot of groundwork, but the topic of the week is going to be um, uh, premise versus organic. And this is something that I really wanted to dive into with you because um, in, in performing with you in working with you, I primarily know you as an organic player. That's a majority of what we've done together. Mm. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned, that's a lot of your background. So uh, uh, that's there. But then when we started, um, uh, you know, performing heralds together, you know, preparing for the audition together, I started to see this other side of you, which is the premise side. And just in this last couple of months, you really got me thinking how how different those two can be. So that's kind of the topic I wanted to mm. uh, explore with you. My thing, and you know, let me know how this sits with you. Yeah. I do kind of feel that those are both at the same day, at the, at the end of the day, you're doing the same motion. You're still doing improv, but they are just so different approaches to it. I like to think of it like a, um, a concentric muscle and an eccentric muscle. Ooh, wow. That's you like uh, with some SAT words. Dog. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to give an example. <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, when you're curling your bicep, you know, like, like I want to do a lot. Yeah, dude. There is a concentric motion. Dude, careful. You're going to rip your sweater. Dog. Yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> let me go slower. You have a concentric motion that uh, that's this muscle tightening. Right. Uh -huh. But then when you release it, you don't just go dead, you know, turkey and drop your uh, yeah. uh, 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 weights. You have to let go slowly. So that's your concentric motion okay. or uh, eccentric yeah. rather. So that's uh, why like moving. you want to do pull downs yeah and shoulder presses yeah well that's a uh, complementary muscles okay uh, uh uh yeah i don't know that that analogy works as well but the other day they're both doing the same thing but yeah they're both different sides of it that's kind of like what i'm kind of taking away from it right now um and i don't know i want to hear what you think about that analogy or that like visual yeah i what do you think about this visual <laughs> <laughs> let me see them good <laughs> um i think like uh i have been trying to approach it from the opposite point of view mm -hmm. um i think uh did you come up doing more premise stuff uh i have i think kind of similar to you i came up doing short form okay and I short form is premise i feel like but it's premise that you True. don't have to decide on it's yeah. like pre-decided premise i think that's another really good way of uh, uh thinking about it but we also when we when i started venturing into long form it was not at ucb and we would do things what they would just call them straight scenes which is just like you just get a word and go which yeah. is what i now understand to be organic but because there was no game there was no you know like structure to it uh it was it, it it was very much just like slowly building, slowly discovering. Yeah. And if you can find something, it was great. But the thing that I found personally frustrating about that is once you do land on something that I you kind of recognize as a game or you recognize as like a funny conceit or even if it's like a mapping scene, it was very hard for me to convey that to my scene partner mm -hmm. to be like, hey, like I'm you know we're roommates, but I'm treating like that classic we're roommates, but we're like you know a couple, right? Yeah. So you'll end up making like moves that are like. Rumi, when are you going to come back? I thought we were going to have movie night tonight. And then they'll respond with like, yeah, let's make out. And you're like, okay. <laughs> you just had a bad scene partner. <laughs> no, no, You just no. had a scene partner that wanted to Mac on you, dog. Yeah. Because you had well, the guns out. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was flexing all those improv muscles. So I, I guess uh, uh, that was kind of like, you know, um, for, for me coming up, I feel that um, premise is such a new foreign thing. The unfortunate, the good and the bad thing is UCB, in the book, in the manual, they say they don't value one over the other. They say that they find both equally rewarding. However, 
you see their classes, you see their shows, you see every, everything they're is teaching a they're premise. Teaching premise. Yeah. So it's almost as if they are kind of saying like, yeah, we, we you know, we come from organic background. We like organic, we, but we don't do organic. We're not going to touch it. Yeah. And I think that was the vibe that I got through the classes, which is to me what felt so like they, that's why I think they felt so different. Mm-hmm. Um, was I felt like they were presented as like, this is a different thing. Um, and now I think the better I've gotten at premise, the more I've realized that they're pretty similar. Yeah. Um, and uh, our coach Dana said something um, that really helped me a lot, which was like a premise drop or like the, the so premise drop being like, so you do an opening to generate ideas. And then when you are initiating your scene, you are in usually the second or third line, like dropping an idea pulled from the opening as to like what you think was funny from the opening and will be like the thrust of like the start of this scene. Mm -hmm. And I think I had been thinking about it when I was going through classes and stuff and why I was never getting callbacks, I think was because I was, so in my head because i was thinking like okay premise i need to pull something from a from the opening and i basically need to have an idea of a sketch Mm -hmm. like i need to have a sketch level idea off of that opening and i need to drop that and communicate what that sketch would be to my partner and that was so difficult and like impossible you know like i would do it every once in a while and it was cool but like my hit rate was so low and Dana and a couple of other coaches recently have kind of communicated the point that like the premise drop is the first move Mm -hmm. and uh our other coach uh Mike talks about like it's the symptom it's not the disease Mm -hmm. it could be the disease but it's like your first move is is indicating something about this character or something about this world, mm-hmm. but it's not telling you everything. So there's still discovery. There's still organic to be had. It, the premise is basically like, I'm going to supercharge into, like, I'm, basically I'm going to try to cut out the first minute of a scene by just getting to a, a fun premise drop. But from that point on, it's still discovery and still organic because you can't, fully know how your partner is going to react to it. And that, that shift in my thinking has really helped a lot to be like, okay, all I have to do is pull something from the intro that I think was funny, present it in a way that works scenically. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I'm still doing organic improv. Now it's different when you're talking about like second beats and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like f- the first beats was always what gave me more of the hang up. Um, because that was like, how do I, how do I make a first scene that has a game? And then I realized I was like, I got, I, I could do game. Yeah. I just can't write it all in my head before we've even started, you know? Yeah. I think that is interesting to hear. Um, I didn't, uh, uh I, I personally didn't see it that way. Cause I do see that, uh, um, for me, yes, like uh, uh, I think that the, now that I hear you say it, what it really comes down to is maybe listening, not the initiation part, you know, 
uh, 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 is kind of neither here nor there. You can't just come in with something, you know, but it's kind of having that ear. And I think that when you're doing premise, it seems like you were kind of listening for that thing and whatever it is, sometimes you kind of just like, okay, now that, now that that's been said, or now that that's what it is, I'm going to repeat it back. I'm going to like, what? And I'm going to label it. Yeah. And then you kind of like done listening versus in organic. I do feel that you are kind of listening, kind of, you're kind of more present. Yeah. You're not like on defense. You're just kind of more present. You're like, something's happening and they may have something, uh, you know, unusual happen or something drop and you were going to question it. And then you're kind of still listening because with organic, you're kind of just like, do you know, like, you know, since, since there's no opening to, to both relate to yeah. the listening kind of never stops. So you're kind of like, okay, wait a second. Is, is this we, it? What are we doing now? Is that what it? are we doing now? What if I, what if, what if I brought you an orange? Yeah. What if I brought you a carrot? Right. So you, you, you're always in that state of play where you're kind of like testing and throwing stimuli into the machine to see what comes off yeah. versus premise. I think sometimes you're like, no, we, we know what the machine does, or we have to know what the machine does. It's a minute in now. We got to just find yeah. more things to throw in. And I think I'm, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm young on my, Herald journey um, because I haven't done a ton, a ton of them. So I'm excited to learn more about it. But like my sense of it right now is the first scene, like every once in a while you lock in immediately. Mm -hmm. But I think the first scene is like explore, like have a premise drop, explore on the game, define the game in the first scene. And maybe once it's been defined, hit it one more time to like really lock it in. Mm -hmm. And then the second beat is all about like, okay, now we know what the machine does. The mach and the machine should do this mm -hmm. as many times and in as many scenarios as we can cram into the second beat. So but, everybody put your stimuli, your tags, your walk-ons into the game machine. Yeah, make sure it's going through the game machine. Yeah. Um, but the first scene I think should still be very like, we are in discovery mode. Yeah, you're still like reading the manual and poking the button. Yeah, still like, well, what, what, what is this? Yeah. What about this? You and know? would you say then in organic, you were, you kind of had to condense that or you had to do that more, you in, know. In organic? In organic. I think what I like about organic is. Um, and I guess we should specify, definitely more so in like game-based organic, which I think. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Because um, in a true organic where you're not playing a game, I'm totally with you. From there, it's all just free creation. And it can be a narrative. It can be yeah, uh, uh, um, like, like what a group game looks like. Like, in my opinion, true organic, everything's going to look like a group Even game. Even group game. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think just in general, like 90% of LA improv is filtered through the lens of game. Yeah. Um, which was not my experience in Chicago. So, like, there's just a lot of improv that I love. But just, I, I truly think that if you, and I have seen this happen where like scenes that I think do really well, or like teams that I think are really solid, the audience doesn't react to as well out here because I don't think that they are either conditioned to, or it's just like not what they want to see out of their improv. Mm -hmm. um, because I think game is so dominant here that like even, even organic improv is expected to be like, Oh, you're finding a game together um like that lingo mm -hmm. um which like game exists in chicago but like i think the focus of the game would be more like behavioral or interpersonal um game like i guess that's not that different it's uh a lot of i guess 
here's a, here's an example. A lot of uh, heralds in the second beat in Chicago are time dashes. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the same character, and you're not exactly going to see the same jokes and like same quote unquote game, mm-hmm. but you're going to see the repercussions of the first scene in those same characters. Well, like consequential yeah. games. Um, and it is it is much more about like their character dynamic and mm-hmm. exploring a character dynamic. Um, and I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, it's not done as much. Like there's some specialty shows at UCB that do that kind of stuff, but like they're the exception, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the difference. Like in improv, I think, or in organic, I think there's a lot of uh, exploring and just like constant exploration mm. that I like. Um, and I think in that same vein, if we're talking more gamey, like something I like about organic is feeling more comfortable to follow the shiny thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a different discussion about whether you always should follow the shiny thing, but like, I love being able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, yeah. Those are fun. The scene, fun scenes where like something weird and unexpected happens. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're doing this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really hard to, to separate premise from Harold since they're so closely tied, but I would agree. Like, when it's a herald of course like we can't follow the shiny thing it's gonna maybe you can in the group game maybe you can't agree game but yeah. uh, otherwise you're like you're really gonna throw your scene partner for a loop if you follow shiny object. yeah and then you're gonna like it's you're gonna tank the second half of the set right you get to the second beat there's a whole second beat that relies on what's going on here. yeah so it's almost i would say like a uh, a ratio i guess uh uh if we're just talking let's just call it a, a strict montage a strict montage uh, um, if you're pulling premise and you're doing a montage, uh, uh, you probably are spending less time exploring, uh, uh, in organic, you would be able to explore. Cause that's kind of like what a lot of it is yeah. premise. It's kind of like, Hey, we got it now. And now we found the game and we, we've done exploring. Let's just beat it uh, out. And then let's chase the next shiny object after that. I love how in the weeds we are about. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's kind of one of the main things I wanted to to bring up. That's why I wanted to do the topic of the week because there are some things that I feel like don't don't really get talked about or get explored. But that's something that I uh, um, I think people are curious about, or if they're not curious about, they maybe should be. You know, you should be dog. You kind of you ain't thinking about it. If you think, yeah, yeah. If you think, if you read the UCB manual and you think premise and organic are the same because they said it, think about it for a little bit. Just think about it. How can that be? If, so I think that they're, they are. They different. have different names. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, we would just call it improv. Right. But yeah, one, I think, uh, uh, is a different muscle. And they're both important muscles. Yeah. You just, I think, get utilized at different times. I think organic, a lot more listening, a lot more exploring, a lot more like, you know, figuring it out and talking back and forth. Whereas, premise and then almost also to your point it's just like i gotta be a blank slate right now because yeah. you need to get your whole premise out and then i'm going to then i'll make moves then i'll make moves yeah. once we're like uh, on the same page yeah what's your i'm curious because you said like we mostly do organic together mm-hmm. and then you like saw a different side of me yeah like i guess one i'm curious to know what your read of that was and then two i'm like my experience of that with you was like I feel like uh, you're. I feel like you're very writerly, which I know you hear, um, because I hear Dana say it to you and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the way that you play in organic, I feel like so neatly translates 
two premise style improv, um, which I'm very jealous of. <laughs> oh, well, that was like not at all my experience. And it, like, I felt like I had to learn a whole nother play style to succeed in LA mm -hmm. than the way that I normally played. Well, uh, one of the things that um, I've talked to a couple of improvisers uh, about in the past, I think I was really lucky in that uh, my first LA, you know, improv class was UCB and uh, I adopted that style, I think pretty like quickly. Mm. So for me, premise for the longest time was like, oh, this is the, the way to do it. This is what I'm really comfortable doing. And when it comes to premise, uh, uh, I think also being so writerly, I was like, I'm not going to be able to like come up with big swings or heightened moves, but what I can do is keep the, the truth or keep the reality. So I was always voice reasoning. So mm. if you would have met me, uh, pre pandemic, uh, you would have seen me on almost every scene voice of reasoning. Oh, interesting. And I think that's where I'm like really, uh, uh, comfortable. And it wasn't until, you know, doing it on zoom, taking some more classes, doing a lot of more organic stuff. And again, that LA grind, that's when I was just like, okay, it seems like I love premise, but there's nowhere to do premise, but on the stage. So, uh, all of, you know, improv is like, so just organic out here, right? All montages, yeah. all the clubhouse sets, all the indie sets are like 15 minutes. So yeah. that's when I started dipping my toe into that. And that's when I did start to loosen up a bit more. And that's when I did feel comfortable taking big swings. I think yes. if it had been in the structure of a premise or in the structure of a, 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 a herald, yeah. being the initiator, being the unusual person, I would sometimes, I would, I would probably be like, oh, can I be a vampire now? I don't know if I want to. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. I do love voice of reasoning. Yeah. I, I consider that to be my uh, strength. And I'm like actively trying to be better at being the person that takes the wild swing and can sustain that energy. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think you, you'll pull it off so far. You're only continuing to get better. Um, but kind of uh, uh, speaking to that, I, I, I do think, and this is almost the other topic that I want to talk about, but I'll have to save it for another episode. But like, <clears throat> when you're the voice of reason, like people, a lot of people think that the voice of reason, so, some people want to be unusual. Some people want to do peas in a pod. I think a lot of people, at times people think the voice of reason is just like your autopilot. You're just questioning things. You're just labeling it. But I'm like, no, like you have more, I, I think it's more important. Yeah. Voice of reason is so much more important than the unusual person. It's easy to be unusual, right? Yeah. Banana fart. Dude. That was easy. <laughs> easy. <right? laughs> now being able to turn banana fart and, work it into whatever that is going on, that's going to take, that's the writer part of me that I really yeah. like, like, oh, how do I turn that? Yeah. How do I ground this? How do I how ground do, it? How do I justify it? How do I, how this do I into it? A, in yeah. And I think the other part of, yeah, and like you said, I know this is another topic, so <laughs> we, I, we don't have to keep going down this rabbit hole, but I think the other part of straight manning that I love that uh, I don't think gets talked about enough is like, you are, you are a comedic partner. Like yeah. you are not, just because you're not the person that is playing the wild character, you are basically serving up opportun opportun yeah. opportunities to that person by creating a grounded environment. And then also the way in which you play, you can basically like create more stimuli, ideally seamlessly, yeah. and like makes them look really good by you sneakily providing them opportunities to play their game yeah. in a different way. Um, and that's, that's what I really get excited about is like yeah. when I can be seemingly a normal person mm -hmm. 
and like play that to the point that the audience thinks that I'm like the stand in for them, but I'm also on the back end creating these scenarios for this other person to be crazy. So yeah. I'm also crazy in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is like being the Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, setting up all these different shots and they don't realize how, how important that is until Scotty's not there anymore. Right? Yeah. And you're like, Oh, we need that guy <laughs> to set up the shots. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, well, that's been the topic of the week. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of discuss uh, premise versus organic. And that's again, been the topic of the week. That's been the topic of the week. All right. Uh, one last thing I want to do a quick segment that I want to, uh, uh, again, recur. I want to talk about our hot improv take. <laughs> now our hot, that's all the same voice. It's all just <laughs> an octave lower. Get ready for our hot improv take. <laughs> but our hot improv takes is an opportunity for us to kind of just rant or just go off on something that uh, uh, we feel strongly about it in improv. And it can be temporary. It could be like, hey, that was just happening this week. So maybe in a week from now, we'll feel different from it. But if there's something that you feel is happening too much, not enough, or uh, uh, the right amount, and like you hope it stays this way forever, what would that be? And I can go first if you want me to kind of. Yeah, you go first. Okay, I'll go first. And uh, when we begin it, you do have to say hot improv take. <laughs> okay. Preface it, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, hot improv take. I like peas in a pod scenes. We should be doing more peas in a pod scene. Is the that... thing is, I don't see enough of it. That's, uh, you know, because some people are like, I got to okay. voice reason it. But my hot take is that uh, uh, people, when they do uh, peas in a pod, I don't think that uh, uh, you realize that uh, there's a lot of math going on. There's a lot of like nonverbal communication. You assume it's just mimicry. You assume it's just, oh, he said banana fart. I'll say banana fart too. Not necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of times I think the best peas in a pod scenes come from premise because like you mentioned, there's already that math being done. There's already an implied idea there. If you're being organic, it's going to be a lot tougher. So you might have to work a little bit harder or wait. There's no reason why you can't wait to be peas in a pod, right? You can be like, wait, did you just, you know, uh, 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 do all that and the dishes angry? Gosh, uh, what are you angry about? Oh, you're angry about that? Well, you know what? Now I'm angry about it. I'm going to do my dishes angry too or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, that's my hot improv take. I do love peas in a pods. I think we should do more of it, but I think you got to do it well. Otherwise, people are going to talk crap about it. A lot of people don't like peas in a pod. Yeah, you were loaded up on that. I like that. Yeah. Um, man, hot improv take. That's a tough one for me. Um, okay. Uh, I'll say hot improv take. I think people well, mean it, mean it. <laughs> hot improv take. Uh, I think a lot of people talk about whether you're writerly or actorly in the style in which you do improv. And I don't think enough people talk about directorly. Directorly. Thank you. Uh, I think that there is a lot to be said about um, understanding the flow of shows and like tension and just, just general storytelling. Like I think, uh, a scene that I did on uh, Monday, I think went well. And part of it was because the scene before was wild with energy. And the next scene, we started very slow and we were comfortable starting very slow. And it, it forces the audience to constantly be switching energies. And that allows you to be a step ahead of them. And sometimes the way to be a step ahead of them is to slow things down. Um, and I think that's something that's like not often talked about is 
are you looking for scenic variety? Are you like hitting a different type of joke than jokes that have been hit throughout the show? Are you looking for themes and patterns that reoccur? And I think that's like, people do talk about that, but I don't think there's enough emphasis on it. And I think particularly, I think tons of clubhouse indie teams could benefit from thinking about that a little bit in their back line. Applause. Uh, hot improv take. Sean's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's something that I might have stayed for a future topic even, but yeah, like, uh, every, and, and you know what it is? It's because we're in LA. Everyone here is an actor or a writer, not a lot of directors. I wish there'd be more. I wish people yeah. would feel empowered. You don't need to like, you know, be on like 20 film sets before you're ready to direct. There's some great directors who uh, come from an improv background. John Favreau did a yeah. lot of improv in Chicago. Like, uh, Adam Jordan, McKay, Jordan Peele. Jordan like, Peele. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people that are drawn to improv want to either act or write. Um, but come on, directors. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, come on, improvisers. Stop acting and writing. Start directing. Yeah, go for it. Or don't. Let me do it all. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, if you need a director. Uh, <laughs> great. Thank you so much for that hot improv take. Uh, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up now uh, with an opportunity for you to. Plug what you got going on. Um, yeah. Uh, as David mentioned, I'm working on a short film. Uh, it's called Killer Views. I'm hoping to get that into some festivals later this year. Um, I am on a UCB Herald team called Lohan. Uh, and then you can catch David and I on a team together called Glass Clown at we and we have our own show uh called be our guest and then i'm also on a another team stem kids that you can see around in in book oh and then i got a side little team that i love doing that please book me on uh that is the real housewives and uh, i plug the social for killer views or, or any other socials oh you can follow killer views at uh what's their handle killer views film on uh instagram uh lohan just created an instagram lohan improv uh glass clown improv improv at glass clown improv mm -hmm. and at stem kids la i think that's kids with the z yeah at stem kids la yeah kids like kids bop baby yeah all right great well uh thank you so much yeah you can uh, uh keep up with sean there Check him out on uh, Herald Nights on Mondays at UCB Franklin. Oh, yeah. I guess you could follow me as an individual, too. Yeah, drop your social. Uh, yeah, at Sean Sean 213 S-E-A-N-213. All right, great. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for being my first guest on Long Form Conversations. It was a pleasure. Premiere. Um, and yeah. I uh, hope nerds who are listening enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, nerds. Hope you enjoyed it. Because we're nerds. Yeah, yeah. Hope you enjoyed talking improv. And um uh, I guess if you want to get in contact with me, I'm probably not going to make a social for this. I'm probably not going to do anything additional to this. So. <laughs> You're going to really promote it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to promote it, but all of it's going to be filtered through at David D. Long, L-U-O-N-G. It's kind of it's built into the name. Yeah, right? okay, so, yeah. Uh, at David D. Long for uh, updates on me and this podcast. There we go. All right, great. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Yep. All right, great. Ooh, that was longer than I thought, man. Yeah, we went. We went after it. You can cut some shit out. <laughs>